Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Great. How about yourself? Fine. We're back together in a room. Yay. With one another. Yay. Yay. In the beautiful podcast studio. In the beautiful podcast studio. (laughs) Yeah. And this is why we talk about singing and we don't sing. Katie can sing. <laughs> Whatever. Katie, I'm still convinced. I still have this this fantasy in my head of like, I want to take voice lessons to see if I actually can sing. Next time my mom's in town. Is she still, she was a voice teacher, yeah. right? Yeah. She'd give you a lesson. I would, lo- I, w- I don't know. I would love to find oh God, out I if love I can, it. I'm like, can I hold, do I have we a We should note? record it for the podcast. That would be fun. That would be hilarious. All right. Well, as always, the <laughs> Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we've got chart news on how both the Billboard Hot 100 songs and Billboard 200 albums chart are getting ever more festive, with Michael Bublé's former number one album, Christmas, jingling up the ladder chart into the top five. Speaking of Michael Bublé, earlier this year, we had him on the pod to talk about his then-new album, Higher, which recently scored a Grammy Award nomination for Best Traditional Pop Vocal Album. Well, today on the show, we've got a special unheard moment from that interview. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, unheard moments. (laughs) Uh, Where we asked him about his Christmas album and what it means to him to know that the ever-popular album has become such a favorite in homes around the world each year. So stick around for that in just a bit. Also on the show, we're talking about Christine McVie, the Fleetwood Mac singer-songwriter who died last week at age 79. And we're also chatting about Glee star Amber Riley's win on The Masked Singer and her Dreamgirls duet with Jennifer Hudson, and why we're just glad to see so much more of her on our screens these yes. days. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com podcasts. All right, let's do the chart chat. Uh, First off, three Christmas albums dot the top 10 on the Billboard 200, led by Michael Bublé's former number one, Christmas, which rises 10 to four. Meanwhile, Taylor's Midnight's holds at number one on the chart for a fifth total week. Also in the top 10 is Nat King Cole's The Christmas Song and the Vince Guaraldi Trio's A Charlie Brown Christmas Soundtrack. There you go. And uh, if you're thinking... Wow, three's a lot. Could we see more? Yes. The answer is a resounding yes. Yes, I fully expect that we will see five, six, 
Christmas albums. Do you hear what I hear? It's Christmas music back on the charts. Living for it. <laughs> uh, well, we actually could see a high debut next week on the Billboard 200 from Metro Boomin's new Heroes and Villains album, which was released on December 2nd. His last four albums all debuted in the top 10, with his last two both entering at number one. 2020's Savage Mode 2 with 21 Savage and 2018's Not All Heroes Wear Capes. You see a trend here with the heroes mm-hmm. uh, theme. Plus, the week after that, we will see the arrivals of SZA's new SOS and A Boogie with the Hoodies, Me Versus Myself. Both albums drop on December 9th. SZA's last album was released over five years ago and peaked at number three, while A Boogie has placed three sets in the top ten, including the chart-topping hoodie season. Next on the Hot 100, Taylor Swift's Antihero is number one for a sixth week but Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You is nipping at her glittery heels, rising five to two. It's only a matter of time before Mariah returns to number one. Can I ask you, do you think it will be next week? Oh, yeah. You do. I do, too. I mean, Great. I, we're in agreement. Like, agreement. I, just, it's, I just assume like it's going to be a done deal for it's like, a, next It's the topic of uh, five burning questions on Billboard.com that will be published on Tuesday when this podcast is live. Uh, and I said, yes, I think it's going back Yeah, next it, week. It, it, yes. I mean, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be cool if there was like another Christmas song that hits number one. Like, it'd be fun if Brenda Lee's Rocking Around the Christmas Tree did I it. I also said that. My girl Brenda is a spry 77 because she recorded that song when she was 13 years old. That's what she recorded the vocals for. For it, so love for her to get why, a number one. Why isn't Brenda Lee? I mean, maybe she can't, but why isn't Brenda Lee like on the Thanksgiving Day Parade in the spot that Mariah gets? That's a good question. I don't know what kind of promo. I mean, I know Billboard has spoken I mean, she's with 77 her. Day. She's seventy-seven, so maybe she isn't you know out there like hoofing it all over the place. Well, yeah, I don't know about performing, but she did. We we've interviewed her for Billboard over these past few years, so she's out there. She's doing stuff. Why, why isn't she like on Twitter saying it's time yeah. <laughs> like Mariah does? She needs a meme. Basically, she she, she needs a peg. She does. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, a total of six holiday songs occupy the top 10 of the Hot 100 this week, but they're all familiar oldies. Uh, now, while the highest charting holiday songs on the Hot 100 are all the usual suspects, over on the adult contemporary airplay chart, we see some, well, fresher tunes on the list as many AC formatted radio stations start to play more seasonal fare in the run up to Christmas. And because the AC chart doesn't include recurrent or older songs on the chart. Therefore, on this chart, even though when you listen to adult contemporary radio stations- They're still playing Jingle Bell Rock. They're and, still playing oldies. Yeah. We only put the new stuff, the newly promoted stuff on this chart. And there's a lot on there too, as you all know. Yeah. I'm listening. <laughs> so Backstreet Boys cover of Last Christmas mm-hmm. from Wham, as we chatted about on last week's episode, holds it number one on the adult contemporary chart, while uh, where it's actually the group's first number one since 1999's I Want It That Way, which spent 10 weeks at number one. Uh, and actually, Last Christmas is the act's first number one on any airplay chart in the U.S. since 2017 when their featured turn on Florida Georgia Lines, God, Your Mama and Me, hit number one on the country airplay chart for one week. I saw Backstreet sharing that news a lot last week. It's really cute. They love it. They're excited. Love it. Love it. (laughs) Also on the adult contemporary chart this week, David Foster and Catherine McPhee's new cover of Jingle Bell Rock rises 13 to 10. It's super producer Foster's first top 10 as an artist since 1986's The Best of Me with Olivia Newton-John hit number six for his wife McPhee. It's her first top 10 on the chart 
Folks will also know McPhee as the runner-up on American Idol in 2006, placing second to Taylor Hicks. McFever. McFever. The country had it. Feel it. <laughs> uh, other newish songs on the AC chart this week include seasonal offerings from Kelly Clarkson and Ariana Grande on Santa Can't You Hear Me. Even though it's not a brand new song, it's new to the chart and newly promoted this year. For King and Countries, Do You Hear What I Hear? And even a song by the Village People called Magic Christmas. I haven't heard these ones yet, so I'm, I'm interested to hear them. I listened to the Magic Christmas song mm-hmm. by the Village People. Turns out the only member of the Village People that's still in the group is Victor Willis, who was the lead singer on basically all of the hits that we know. Okay. And the rest of the people of the village are kind of... Uh, New? Newer, newer Newcomers? On- they New- just moved into the village? <laughs> they, they look a little bit more recent to the village. Um, anyway, uh, th- th- there's the chart news for the week, everybody. Uh, all right. In, in a little more somber news here, we, uh, we got the news last week that Christine McVie had died at age 79. She, of course, is the singer-songwriter from Fleetwood Mac. And, you know, Keith, you're a big fan of Fleetwood Mac. You've seen them perform many times. I have. I had the great fortune of seeing uh, them in 2014 on the On With The Show tour, which was the first time that Christine McVie, Lindsay Buckingham, Stevie Nicks, John McVie, and Mick Fleetwood, the sort of classic rumors era, hit-making era group uh, lineup, had toured uh, since 1998. Oh, wow. And also Christine McVie had left the group for a long time, so it was a very big deal, and yeah. uh, it was super exciting to see that. But anyway, I interrupted you. No, I, I was I w- wanted to ask you, because I feel like you are a big fan, have been a big fan. Like, you know, uh, I think a lot, there have been, like, really lovely essays written about Christine, of course, calling her Songbird after her song, Songbird, right. um, and just talking about kind of what role she played uh, in this huge group, right? I mean, Christine Christine was there before Stevie and Lindsay showed up. So Fleetwood Mac has had... She is the Mac of McVie. I mean, one of them. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, John McVie, her first her first husband, yes. was the, the, Mc, the Mc in... The, I should say the McVie is Mac. <laughs> yeah, the McVie is the Mac. Uh, well, actually, you know, well, and then and then the Fleetwood is from Mick Fleetwood, the drummer. But John McVie, who, was the, who is the bassist of, of Fleetwood Mac, uh, that was her first husband, and that's how I'm pretty sure she got into the group. Though I am a big fan, I don't know all the intricacies of how everyone got into the group, right. you know, at each time. But I'm pretty sure that she was with the group from 1970 up until she departed the band um, in 1998, and then she rejoined in 2014 up until her passing. But what I think, you know, most people who are familiar with Fleetwood Mac know their hit recordings kind of from like the 75 to 1990 era, which is basically her era along with Stevie, Lindsay, John, and Mick. And Christine has like a lead role and wrote a lot of those massive hits too. Yeah, the way it worked in Fleetwood Mac was basically Stevie Nicks, Lindsay Buckingham, and Christine McVie would each write songs and then uh, they would give them to Fleetwood Mac and usually the person who wrote the song would sing lead vocals on it and the other members would harmonize with them. So, you know... um, when you listen to rumors, it's kind of a third Lindsay, a third Stevie, and a third Christine. Um, the great thing about Christine, and this is me putting my sort of editorial kind of fan hat on, is, right. is that she was always kind of like the pure pop sensibility of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, Stevie was kind of the kind of mystical kind gypsy of woman. gypsy woman. Lindsay was kind of like this mad guitarist, producer, creative, you know, 
off the rails sometimes, really interesting ideas. Sonically, would, is this going to work on paper? And she was all, usually kind of a straight-ahead pop soft rocker, you know, great piano ballads, nice, you know, catchy little pop Tell hooks. me lies. Sweet Don't little stop. lies. Don't stop. Um, and, you know, she would bridge the gap between Lindsay and Stevie. Yeah. And also maybe some of her songs might get a little bit more of an edge because of Lindsay mm. and Stevie. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that was something I always loved, you know, when you listen to those Fleetwood Mac albums from 75 until, you know, like 87 with Tango in the Night. You'd always have that balance between the three of them. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of people always really wanted to see those five members together. It was that dynamic that made it special. So it was really sad when she passed away. And, you know, all the handwritten notes from both um, Stevie and Lindsay. Stevie and Lindsay. And I mean, Stevie's really hit me. I literally was crying at my desk. She, you know, called her her best friend and and quoted this uh, Heim song, like lyrics. And um, the fact that she wrote it in this lovely script, it's just, it was all very touching and personal and lovely. Billboard actually, um, ran a, a, an article, um, shoot, was that this week or last week? I'm getting my days mixed up. I think it was last week, uh, where we had former president Clinton talk about why don't stop became his, um, you know, campaign song when he ran for president. And that's one that Christine specifically wrote. And he basically was thanking her for making this, you know, this song that looked toward the future. I mean, she, she arguably helped get him elected. Yeah. In, in a weird roundabout way. Exactly. So, um, yeah, go to billboard.com for all of our coverage um, and, you know, RIP to Christine and uh, all the Fleetwood Mac members, you know, send our condolences. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Keith and I wanted to talk about a little something else this week um, about Amber Riley, who you might remember from Glee, of course, uh, Mercedes, Mercedes having the just killer bombastic voice, um, you know, having all the show stopping numbers, etc. But she was always, you know, the supporting character. She, to was, always, she was always a supporting character to uh, Leah Michelle's Rachel. Yeah. Rachel Berry. And uh, and, you know, she's had a few moments in the sun this week. So we kind of wanted to talk about it. First of all, last week she won The Masked Singer. And actually, she spoiler also, alert, it was a week ago. We're good here. <laughs> We're good here. Um she won the Mass Singer. She actually won Dancing with the Stars previously, too. She did. I think um, she was paired with Derek Huff that season. Yeah. So anyway, Mass Singer is like a no-brainer win for her. Of course, you know, she was going up against some good competition. Her runners-up were Wilson, Wilson Phillips. Phillips. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, famously beautiful harmonies. Chart-topping Wilson Phillips, yeah. for Pete's sakes. And um, uh, Amber was the harp. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think that I think that she and she spoke about this, that she's kind of relished the role of being able to, you know, just have her voice be center stage where you hear only her voice. You're judging her for nothing else. And that voice won the show. Yeah. Um, and Which it's is not the really whole, the whole conceit of the show. Right. And it, I think it worked here. <laughs> and then just this week. In celebration of winning the Mass Singer, she went on to uh, uh, Jennifer Hudson's new talk show. Uh, noted former reality contestant Jennifer yes. Hudson from American Idol, who did not win her season, who and criminally came in like what seventh or something. Also, stupid? yeah, and they also have something else in common, which is that they both have portrayed Effie White in Dreamgirls. Jennifer, of course, won an Oscar for playing Effie in the movie adaptation, and Amber Riley won an Olivier Award mm-hmm. for playing Effie in the West End. Uh, restaging of Dreamgirls a few years ago. Did you get a chance to see Amber Riley in that, <sighs> here's, Keith? Here's the thing. I go to London a lot, <laughs> and I I was so excited to see Amber in this because I'm like, this is going to be effing amazing. It's going to be effing amazing. Yeah. 
<laughs> and got tickets, and I get there, and in fact, I think we'd actually done outreach to see if we can get Amber on the show for the podcast, and mm. it, it didn't work out. But uh, I got tickets, we get to the venue, walk in, and there's a paper on the wall, which is pretty normal, where they say, here's the updated cast for today's show, and Amber was not in the Oof, show that day. And that I don't hurts. know, I'm assuming it was just because she was under the weather. Her her stand-in was lovely. Sure. But I'm... Oh, I'm, that hurts. I'm, I'm I'm still upset. I miss that, and I I always hoped I always hoped that they would take the West End staging of Dreamgirls with Amber to Broadway. Yeah, I mean that isn't that crazy of a thought. It's not that crazy of a thought. I mean, to be fair, with these new, uh, you it's know, it's a very demanding role, obviously. Yes, but th- this new Amber, you know, moment. It's actually something that could still maybe happen. Look, we've got Leah Michelle on Broadway right now in Funny Girl. Why can't we have Amber Riley in Dreamgirls on Broadway? <laughs> Keith wants it. Give it to Keith. Look, no, but it, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. It seems Look, like a no-brainer. Darren Chris from Glee, super friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. has been on Broadway before. Mm-hmm. Um, Leah's on Broadway, been on Broadway before. Why can't Amber? You know, I watched Glee. Did she sing? Uh, and I'm telling you, I'm not yes. going on the show. She, she did. did. Um, uh, I thought she had. Uh, well, back to Jennifer Hudson and Amber. Right. Um, you know, in their conversation, they they kind of talked about why they both related to this role because the whole story is that Effie is Effie. yeah it, she's she starts out as like the lead singer of the of the dreams, but then uh, the Beyonce character from the movie for the people who've seen the movie Beyonce character Dina. gets uh, elevated to the main role because she. Is Beyonce and she looks beautiful. Beyonce can sing, well, obviously it's, it's, too. It's, but and, and it's not Beyonce. It is just like <laughs> there, there is the there is this the, the X factor, beautiful, yeah, thinner. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of compare comparisons made to uh, the, Supremes, the Supremes. It's not it's which not had a, a similar ish thing right. of Mary Wilson being lead vocalist until Diana Ross was sort of put in the center because of her striking and appearance. And Dreamgirls is not a story of the Supremes. It's clearly kind of an inspired bias, loosely inspired, loosely. loosely. Um, but uh, Jennifer and Amber actually uh, sang the uh, famous and I'm telling you I'm not going together the two of them which was nuts (laughs) is absolutely nuts just I just they can sing anything they truly can't I feel like anyone who like you know was a huge TV fan like a decade ago had to have just died over this moment just seeing these two that we like feel like we know because they were on our TV screens for so long you know like feel like we had a personal stake in their success and then watch this like huge moment it was really beautiful and and these are both women and also who have, you know, not rightfully like sat in like the second fiddle role for any number of reasons in our society. Um, but like Amber's getting these chances now between Mass Singer, between uh, Dancing with the Stars to to be the like person who comes out on top. I really hope, I hope, gosh, I hope <laughs> that Masked Singer actually uh, gives Amber some amazing opportunities for her career. Yeah. I, I just hope that it turns into something. And I don't know what the, the track record is for Masked Singer 
winners to kind of go on to have like new career opportunities. I really hope that this shines an incredible, huge, bright, shining spotlight on her yeah. and, and how incredible of a voice she is. And also just what a wonderful personality and person she seems to be from all these interviews and her interactions that we've seen her have over the years. Yeah, I feel like the exceptional thing about her, of course, her voice is amazing. But I remember watching Glee and and being stunned by just how natural her ability is because you almost like forget how good she is because it doesn't look like she's having to like put effort into it no. because the voice is just so innate. Just falls out. It falls out. That's what it feels like. And so sometimes you can see a singer working or hear a singer working. It's like with Amber, you watch her and you think, oh, like, is she a great singer? Yes. She's an incredible singer. It, she's just making it look easy because she's that good. Her and J-Hud both have that where they, yes. just, they just start singing. I'm like, this isn't hard for you. Correct. It, that, I mean, it feels like that, but is that true or did they work so hard to to get to that effortlessness. I don't you know. You know? Okay. I don't know. Well, all right. Amber Riley. Amber Riley, everybody. Amber, Amber you want to come on the yeah, pod? All right. Let's get her in now. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's circle back to Michael Bublé for a moment. I know sort of a left turn here. Uh, we teased how we, we have a little unheard moment from our interview that we did earlier this year with him. So this isn't a full-fledged guest interview per se, but it's a fun moment that we thought would be wonderful to share at this time of year for obvious reasons. So, of course, we asked Michael about how his Christmas album has become such a favorite around the holidays, and we wondered what it means to him to know that the album is now played in homes all around the world each season during family get-togethers. He had a thoughtful answer that was both serious and kind of goofy. Just what we expect from Michael Buble. <laughs> it's a natural thing for the often <laughs> animated Buble. So take a listen to this moment from our chat with Michael Buble. We'd be remiss if we didn't ask about your evergreen Christmas album. It has become a standard during the holiday season, which you well know, but how does it make you feel to know that your Christmas album is now played in homes all around the world at times when families have joyful get togethers? When you think about that, what does that mean to you? Well, can you imagine how, how, uh, could you imagine how lucky I feel to be in, to invited into all of that? I mean, I knew what I was doing when I made the record. I, I, I had, a I had, high hopes. I was quite ambitious about, cause I really genuinely love the songs and, um, I hadn't, I never had any idea that it would be like this ever, ever. And it's funny years ago, um, I would complain about it and I would, I would, you know, I would say, well, you know, they're keep talking about the Christmas album. Um, but it was when my son got sick, uh, I remember sitting in the hospital and I just remember thinking um, how lucky I was. I just remember thinking so clearly, you know, how, how, how wonderful this is that this, this is a part of your legacy and a time of year. And, and what's interesting too, is it's, it's become less about what religion you are and it's become about just a time when us human beings might need a bit of a break and, and there's a little more empathy and kindness. And I thought, man, to be connected to something so beautiful, there are much worse things in life. And, um, um, and you know, the only other thing it makes me feel is sad, sad when I read the comment or I read an interview for the billionth time where someone makes the joke about me being frozen and it makes me sad because I realize that there's no one in that person's life to say, 
you're not fucking funny and you really need to come up with something fresh because this shit is well played. And I wish I could just hug him and maybe take him to a stand-up show where they could learn about comedy. <laughs> He's, isn't he supposed to be in the freezer? Ha! And you go like, are you fucking joking? Seriously, that's what you came up with? I think we should have a PSA, really. And those people better be careful too. Because if they don't watch out, I want to take over Easter, maybe Halloween, Valentine's Day. I don't know. Fuck, anytime your mom pulls a turkey out of the oven, you just might hear my music playing. <laughs> you uh, heard it here first. <laughs> yes, we, we are all for a series of... Uh, you know, it's cute. The other, Michael Bublé holiday albums. That, yeah, this, year, the uh, this year was the 10th anniversary, and so there was all this press and uh, my girlfriend susan leon uh, the publicist she goes uh i said oh fuck, susan i'm doing press again like how am i doing press for this 10 years 10 years later like i like the journalist kept saying so you've done a new christmas album i was like no this is the same album and uh and she said to me oh you little bitch she said she said you'd be devastated if it wasn't like this she said you would miss it so much if you weren't if they weren't playing your shit at christmas all the time and, and you know what she was right i would be devastated i would be i'd be like your, your record is no longer wanted i'd be like oh god yes but there's a slightly more nuanced way of putting it press not when you're, <laughs> not when you're not when you're best friends there's no better way okay i would rather somebody give me that hit me hard baby that was such a fun interview. Like I just revisited it for this uh, episode, and uh, there, yeah, there was a whole aside about you know what he what was in his cup. Yeah, that was hilarious. Like, haven't had any caffeine. We're like, sure you haven't. <laughs> He's like, just that cocaine. He was, he was telling us to you know go for a walk. He's like, I, he was having some amazing like Mexican food delivered. I don't know. It was just <laughs> we he, got like a full experience in that Zoom interview. <laughs> the the, the buble experience. Yes. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. And it's Quiz Katie. Oh, man. So, Katie, thinking about Christine McVie, do you know how many of Fleetwood Mac's top 40 charting singles on the Billboard Hot 100 she sang lead on and wrote? Okay. So I will tell you that the band has had 18 top 40 charting hits on the Hot 100, and they span from 1975 through 1990, all during her tenure in the band. As listeners know, as we just talked about, she shared co-writing and lead vocal duty with other members of the group. So with all that in mind, Katie, how many of those 18 did she sing lead vocals on and write? My first guess is nine. Very close. I will just tell you. Okay. <laughs> ten. Oh my gosh, I was very close. Ten of the eighteen. And I will tell you what they are, and God help me if I got them wrong. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Over my head, say you love me. Don't stop, which she sang co-lead on mm -hmm. with Lindsay. You make loving fun. Think about me. Hold me. Love in store. Little lies. Everywhere and save me. Love it. It's amazing. That is incredible, especially in that uh, that group of talented individuals. So uh, there's a little uh, chart stat of the week. Quiz Katie about Christine McVie and her amazing history on the Hot 100 and Fleetwood Mac. All right, we've reached the end of our big show. Any parting words? Katie! Can we just agree to go out on like Christmas songs from here on out? It's December. Sure. <laughs> 
uh, what, uh, what what Christmas song? What holiday song? Well, since I brought up five burning questions, one that I was hoping for a little justice for or like a little more glory for is the Run at Sleigh Ride because I love it. And it's never been top five on our holiday 100. And I think it should be this year. So here's me uh, campaigning for it. I don't I don't think. Uh, play, is that how it works? I don't think plays in our show count towards the <laughs> oh, charts. Darn it. Darn OK, it. well, you know, someone listening is a radio programmer, right? Sure. <laughs> I hope so. We'll go out on Sleigh Ride and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.